بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد نسلی اللہ رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا آف ڈسمبر ان دا ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ ٹوئنٹی of one of the great companions of our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam and again to reiterate <coughs> there is so much wisdom and hikmah why we need to go through their lives so the first our beloved messenger mentioned in a famous report sallallahu alaihi wasallam in abu dawood tirmidhi sahih hadith that my ummah will split into 73 sects <coughs> And then the companions asked, Ya Rasulullah, who are the saved sect? And the Prophet said, the one that myself and my companions are on. The one that myself and my companions are on. So in this flawless report in Abu Dawood, Tirmidhi and Mishkat, and Shaykh Al-Bani states, the Prophet highlighted that guidance lies with himself and his companions, without exception. So the One of the important reasons we go through their lives is to find guidance. The second, our beloved messenger mentions that Allah alayhi sallam, he who loves something mentions it much. He who loves something mentions it much. This is in Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, Sahih Hadith. So why is this related to the companions? Because if you love someone sincerely, you will be with them on the day of Jishnu. In Bukhari and Muslim, the Prophet said this, because you will be with those whom you love. So if you mention something frequently, that is a sign of genuine love. So again, the companions. The third is Sufyan ibn Uyayna, in Abu Nu'im al-Hilya, he mentions that when the righteous are mentioned, blessings descend. When the righteous are mentioned, blessings descend. So what then of the salt of this earth? Our beloved messenger mentions that my ummah is like food and my companions are the salt. And Hassan al-Basri added that how can we now be good when the salt has left? <coughs> This is in Bazaar and it's a Hassan Hadith. So when you talk about the righteous blessings descent, then obviously the greatest of the righteous after the prophets and messengers are the noble companions. And it has a most profound impact upon the heart. In Surah Hud, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that we, re- we relate to you the narratives of the messengers to strengthen your heart thereby. So Allah the Almighty and Glorious mentions One of the reasons why he mentions the Prophet so frequently in the Qur'an, it is to strengthen the heart. Obviously the Prophet, first and foremost, and in extension, his Ummah. So, as always, to start at the beginning. So the companion's life that we're going through, inshallah, into the new solar year, is the blessed companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu. So the blessed name of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu 
first emerges upon our beloved messenger's migration وسلم, to the holy city of Al-Madinah. In Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, Behaki Al-Bidayah, volume 3, page 197, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 1, page 574 of the New English Translation. Sayyidina Anas, who was around 10 years old at the time, he relates the memorable incident, he said, I was one of the children running, as the people said, Muhammad has arrived. I ran on, but I could not see anything. When the people again called out, Muhammad has arrived. I ran again, but could still not see anything. So stopping the report. So he's 10 years old, he's still a child, and he's hearing the commotion, and he can't see anything. So how do we explain this? Obviously, he must have been of a short stature at the time, and the huge crowds blocked his view. And he goes, I couldn't see the Prophet the Messenger of Allah and his companion Abu Bakr eventually arrived and sat down in an uninhabited area of al Madina. They then sent a Bedouin to announce to the Ansar that they had arrived. Consequently, approximately 500 of the Ansar came out to welcome them. So where did the Prophet stop? He stopped famously at Quba. And then he sent a message that he will be coming now to al Madina. So the Ansar, 500 of them approximately came to welcome him. When the Ansar came, they said, you are now safe and secure and you will be obeyed. Rasulullah and his companion then walked amongst us. And the people of al Madina all came out to welcome them. Indeed, even the young girls stood above the dwellings, vying with each other to look, as they were asking, which of them is Rasulullah? Which of them is Rasulullah? Indeed, we had never seen a sight like this. Anas radiyallahu added, I have seen Rasulullah the day he arrived in al Madina. On the day he passed away, and I have never seen any days like them. <laughs> so look how beautiful. He's just 10 years old, and he's giving you a very you know, graphic detail of what the scenario is when Rasulullah finally arrives. So what's interesting is the young girls did not recognize who was the Prophet. In fact, this, is what, this was something which was miraculous because Abu Bakr, one report in Sayyid Bukhari mentions the Ansar, they actually thought Abu Bakr was the Prophet. But when Abu Bakr put the cloak over the Prophet's head to protect him from the sun, they then realized that Rasulullah is the one who's being shaded. So, did Abu Bakr Siddiq <coughs> look like the Prophet? And the answer is no. So, how did they confuse him? He wasn't his son, he wasn't his cousin. And the response is if you keep acquaintance, spiritually with a sheikh you start to emulate <laughs> so the only one who was actually confused for Rasulullah was Abu Bakr there was no other companion <laughs> apart from of course his family members so this shows the status of Abu Bakr so here Anas said the young girls didn't recognize him. which one is Rasulullah and then Anas said he goes these were the two amazing days 
the day he entered Al Madinah and the day he passed away, because there was something strange about those two days. Notice how the Blessed Ansar radiyallahu ta'ala anhu had sent a huge contingent to welcome our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and his most exalted companion to the holy city. How many went? 500. Anas further explained radiyallahu when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa came to al Madina, the Abyssinians played with their spears out of joy upon his arrival. This is in Abu Dawood, Mishkat, in the chapter on the miracles of the companions. Look how interesting. So a contingent went to welcome him and then respectfully take him into the holy city. And when he entered al Madina, Abyssinians were doing kind of a war dance with the spears out of joy. So this shows that this is Sunnah, i.e. to welcome respected personalities. Not only this, but our beloved mother Sayyida Aisha, she said, Radiyallahu, in Ahmad in his Musnad, Behaki Al-Bidayah, Volume 3, page 197, Hayat al-Sahaba, Volume 1, page 574 of the New English Translation. When Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa arrived in Al-Madina, the women and children, they were singing, Al-Badru alayna min thaniyatil wada wajaba shukru alayna mada'a lillahi da'a the full moon has risen above us from the valley of Wada. Gratitude is thus incumbent upon us as long as a caller calls to Allah. So this is the famous ode which they recited when the Prophet entered al Madina, And how did they describe the Prophet The full moon. Because the full moon has risen above us. al-Badru alayna min thaniyatil Wada from the valley of Wada. Wajaba shukru alayna. It is wajib to do gratitude for this. Mada'alillahi da. As long as a caller calls to Allah. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this was how they welcomed the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa A huge contingent went to bring him respectfully into the holy city. The Abyssinians were doing a kind of a, a dance of joy with their spheres. And the women and children were uttering the famous ode. From these authentic reports, the Sunnah is thus firmly established that one may arrange an arrival ceremony for a respected scholar or sheikh to welcome him to the community. So this is Sunnah. So if you get a respected alim, why? Because they ulama warithatul anbiya. The scholars are the inheritors of the prophets. So if you get a scholar who's, who's been blessed and you welcome him, this is part of the Sunnah. Sayyidina Anas said about that blessed day, I have never seen a day which was better or brighter than the day Rasulullah came to us. This is in Darimi and Mishkat in the chapter on the miracles of the companions. Now this is very important to highlight. This wasn't England. Dark and dreary England. If somebody says to you, how are the days in the Hijaz? You say it's bright and it's hot. So what did he say? He goes, I have never seen a day which was better or brighter than the day Rasulullah came to us. What does that mean? <laughs> On all, 99% of the days bright there. So he was trying to explain something because there was something extraordinary about his emergence because he was so illuminating when he emerged into the city. <laughs> Anas further described the momentous event, radiyallahu. On the occasion of the return of Rasulullah to al Madina, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
everything was brightly lit up. <laughs> On the occasion of the return of Rasulullah to Al Madinah, everything was brightly lit up. This is in Tirmidhi, number 3618, Sahih Gharib, and Tirmidhi in his Shamail, number 375, Ibn Imaj, number 1631, Ahmad in his Musnad, number 13857, Abu Ya'la in his Musnad, number 3296, Ibn Hibal in his Sahih, number 6634, Hakim in his Mustadrak, 3-57 and 8-218, states Sahih to the criteria of Muslim, Zahabi Sahih, Ibn Sa'ad in his Tabakat 2-274, Ibn Kathir Sira, Volume 4, page 391 of the English translation, he states, its line of transmission satisfies the criteria of the Sahih collections. So this is a flawless report recorded in the Sunans, and great scholars of Hadith have graded it flawless. So now two things about this statement. Anas said, Radiyallah, on the occasion of Rasulullah's return, so somebody goes, wasn't that the first time he went there? And the answer is no. He's been there before, in his youth. His mother took him to al Madin. You know, famously he said, I learned how to swim in al Madin. It was called Yatrib at the time. And his maternal side is from there, maternal lineage. So he was well acquainted with al Madin. So Anas goes, when he returned, then look what he said. Everything lit up. So now somebody goes, well, maybe that's just a figure of speech. No, it wasn't. Everything started illuminating. The holy city then became affectionately known as Al Madina Al Manawara. Al Madina, the resplendent, illuminated city. See, we just made these statements Al Madina Al Manawara. Slow down, brother. What did you call this city? Al Madina Al Manawara. What does that mean? Don't know, brother. That literally means the illuminated, the resplendent city. So a person goes, you are, Well, that's not the name of. The name given to al Madina is the city in Arabic. Allah Ta'ala has given it that name because this is the city. Why is it called al Manawara? The illuminated, the resplendent because of Rasulullah. And the people would say they could see nur emanating from it when Rasulullah was in the holy city. So when they were travelers, they could see it. So let me ask you a question. You're not talking about the Prophet himself. You're talking about the city he's dwelling in. Anna said everything was brightly lit up. Because the dwellings, the trees, the land, when Rasulullah entered, so what does that tell you? This was something else that was taking place. And Anas was trying his best, even though he was very young at the time, to try and get that across to us. He goes, when he because it was something else, because it was something it was so bright, it's unbelievable. So this is where his name is mentioned first. So if anybody asks you, where is Anas mentioned in the Sirat? Where does his blessed name emerge? You say here. And what a place to emerge. Imagine the time he discusses the Prophet entering. So now let's turn to Anas. Entitled his lineage, his parents and his exalted tribe. With regards to his father's lineage, Hafiz ibn Kathir said in his Seerah, volume 4, page 469 of the English translation, Sayyidina Anas, the son of Malik, the son of Al-Nadr, the son of Damdam, the son of Zayd, the son of Haram, the son of Jundab, the son of Asim, the son of Ghanam, the son of Adi, the son of Al-Najjar, Al-Ansari, Al-Najjari. 
So that is his father's lineage. And what famous tribe is mentioned? Bani an Najjar. That's, that's his lineage going back to the tribe of the Prophet. With regards to his mother's site, his maternal lineage, Hafiz ibn Kathir said in his Seed of Volume 4, page 469 of the English translation, his mother was Sayyida Umm Sulaim, the daughter of Milhan, the son of Khalid, the son of Zaid, the son of Haram, and the lineage is now similar. So his mother is Umm Sulaim, that's her agnaman, her kunyat, was her real name. With regards to Sayyida Umm Sulaim, Radiyallahu's real name, then in Imam Muslim in his Sahih, number 6320, and Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 3, page 99, Sahih to the criteria of the two sheikhs with a prestigious short chain, it mentions her name is Al-Ghumaysa, Radiyallahu. So in an absolutely flawless report in Sahih Muslim and a very short chain with Imam Ahmad's Musnad, it mentions that Anas's mother's name is Al-Ghumaysa, Al-Ghumaysa, Radiyallahu. But in Sahih Bukhari, number 3679, and Sahih Muslim, number 2457, it mentions her name is Ar-Rumaysa. ar So now which one is it? <coughs> is his mother's name Rumaysa or Al-Rumaysa? And the response is maybe she had both these names. But both of those reports are flawless. And that's why you notice some uh, call their daughters by these names. Rumaysa and Al-Humaysa With regards to her maternal site, Rumaysa Hafiz ibn Hajar said in Ali Isaba, volume 8, page 244, the name of her mother was Sayyida Mulaika the daughter of Malik, the son of Adi, the son of Zaid Manat. So now to me and you, what does that mean? Does it mean anything? But this lineage is very important to highlight. So his mother, Anas' mother, her mother was Mulaika. She was also a companion. She was the daughter of Malik, who was the son of Adi, who was the son of Zaid Manat. Now Zaid Manat was one of Rasulullah's forefathers. Thus, let's put it simply, Anas' father and mother's lineage joins at Zaid ibn Haram making them second paternal cousins. Their paternal grandfathers, Damdam and Khalid, were brothers. So his mother and father, they were second cousins. Right? So, you know, they were not, you know, they, they knew each other. They were close, closely related. They were second cousins. Their grandfathers were brothers, Damdam and Khalid. It is also important to point out here that Zayd ibn Haram was also the great, great grandfather of no other than our beloved messenger. So look how interesting. Both his mother and father's lineage goes back to Zayd ibn Haram. And he was the great, great grandfather of Rasulullah. Thus, both Anas' parents belong to the exalted Banu and Najjar tribe of the Ansar. Now why are they the most blessed tribe? Anas himself and Abu Usaid they both relate that the Prophet said the best of the clans of the Ansar Adu Banu and Najjar then Bani Abdul Ashhal, then Bani Harith Ibn Khazraj then Bani Sa'idah 
So the Prophet explained who were the best tribes. He goes, the best of the Ansar tribes is the Banu An-Najjar. They're the greatest. <laughs> the next, Bani Abdul Ashhal. The third, Bani Harith ibn Khazraj. And then the fourth, Bani Sa'idah. Where is this recorded? This is in Sayyih Bukhari, number 3789. Sayyih Muslim, number 6421. In the chapter on the virtues of the companions, Tirmidhi, number 3911. Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 3, page 105. Sayyih to the criteria of Bukhari and Muslim, with a prestigious short chain of narrators. Mishkat, number 6224, or volume 4, number 137. In the chapter on the companions in general. So this is a flawless report. Hmm? Our beloved messenger vitally added, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, وَفِي قُلِّ دُورِ الْأَنصَارِ خَيْرًا There is good in every clan of the Ansar. So this, you're going to add this. So what did the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say? وَفِي قُلِّ دُورِ الْأَنصَارِ خَيْرًا And there is good in every clan of the Ansar. Where is this record? Sayyih Bukhari, number 3789. Sayyih Muslim, number 6421. In the chapter on the virtues of the companions. Tirmidhi, number 3911. Ahmad in his Musnad, volume 3, page 105. Sayyih to the criteria of the two sheikhs with a prestigious short chair of narrators. Mishkat, number 6224, or volume 4, number 137. In the chapter on the companions in general. So even though the Prophet mentioned the best tribes, he still highlighted there's good in all of the Ansar tribes. <laughs> All of their clans. So, what is the order? The first, Banu An-Najjar. The tribe which was related to our beloved messenger on his maternal side, which I'll mention. The chief of this tribe was As'ad ibn Zurara. So, this is the problem. You say Ansar. And that's how much people know about the Sirith. Okay, brother. Which Ansar? And he goes, Ansar. Then some might say, Aus and Khazraj. Were they the only two tribes? <laughs> and then the person goes, and there you go. You know, look how much we know about the Prophet's family. <laughs> right? Is that all you know? <laughs> then you go, okay, brother, who is the greatest tribe of the Ansar? And then the guy gets puzzled. He goes, Khazraj. <laughs> Have another guess. Right? Aus. Have another guess. He goes, I'm, I'm, I'm a straws, brother. <laughs> Which one would say Banu An-Najjar? <laughs> and then even if you say that, they'll say, well, I've never even heard of that tribe, brother. Because that's the best tribe of the Ansar. You've not heard of it. Then to add insult to injury, Rasulullah's mothers, Lenis goes to that tribe. <laughs> and he starts thinking, <laughs> Who is the chief of that tribe? He goes, I don't even know the name of the tribe, brother. You're asking me about the chief. <laughs> he goes, the chief is As'ad ibn Zurara. So what do we know about him? <laughs> As'ad ibn Zurara, he was the one who Allah inspired to offer Jummah before Jummah was obligatory. He actually got the Sahaba together in al Madinah and he said, look, Friday is a blessed day. We need to do something special on this day. And he actually did everything. Tulaqat, khutbah. And later when the command came for Jummah, the people were shocked. He goes, how did he know? So who's Asad? Chacha Sahaba, right? The chief of the Banu An-Najjar. Secondly, he passed away very quickly, which was shocking. When Rasulullah migrated to al Madina, Asad passed away. And then the Jews started laughing. They go, what sort of a prophet is this? Because as soon as he comes, his companion dies. So what were the Jews actually getting at? They were saying, this is his, his cousin. 
and God didn't even spare him because this is a, was in, in a auspicious sign. The Prophet said, life and death is in the hands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning, it's not up to me who lives and dies. But if you don't know who Asad is, you don't even know what the Jews have in a Goa, right? What the Jews have in a Goa, the Prophet The second greatest tribe, the Bani Abdul Ashhal, the chief of whom was the other great Sa'd ibn Mu'ad. <laughs> so, Aus, he's more famously the chief of Aus, but the chief of the Bani Abdul Ashhal was Sa'd ibn Mu'ad. What do we know about him? He was the one who was martyred in the battle of the trench. He was the one who was shot by the arrow and he made a dua, Ya Allah, please don't take my life until I see the end of the hostilities on your messenger, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he lived. And then he made a judgment against the treacherous Banu Quraiza and they were executed. And thereafter the wound opened and he was martyred. And the hadith mentions the arrow shook upon his death, upon his passing. This is in Bukhari and Muslim. So he was the chief of the second greatest tribe, Bani Abdul Ashar. The third being Banu Harith ibn Khazraj. So this is the Khazraj. The chief of whom was Sa'd ibn Ubadah. The other great Sa'd. Uh, very famous companion of the Prophet He was known for his Khayra. Uh, uh, <laughs> I mentioned a report. He once went to the Prophet and he says, Ya Rasulullah, if I see a man with my wife, do I need to get witnesses? And the Prophet said yes. And he goes, I'll witness them with this. <laughs> you know, there was the sword. He said, I'm not going to go looking for witnesses. So I'm going to take him out with the sword. And the Prophet then said, Are you surprised at the ghira of Sa'ad ibn Ubad? He goes, I've got more ghira than him. And Allah has got more ghira than me. But Sa'ad ibn Ubad, what he meant by that was, he, goes, he was thinking, how can I look for witnesses? If I see a man with my wife, and he only married virgins. Because he couldn't get it, you know, he, he just couldn't get into his head that he's going to marry somebody who another man has been with. So he was known for his great ghayla. And he was a great companion of the Prophet ﷺ. He was also the one that Ansar were thinking of electing as the Khalif upon the Prophet's passing. <laughs> so these were the three great ones. Specifically with regards to Anas's venerable mother, Sayyida Umm Sulaim. Her grandfather was Khalid ibn Zaid, whose sister was Salama bin Zaid. So again, names. When you hear names, obviously, your mind drifts. So let's mention that again. <laughs> Anas's mother is Umm Sulaim. Rumaysa al-Ghumaysa. Her grandfather was Khalid ibn Zaid. The sister of Khalid ibn Zaid was Salama bin Zaid. So a person goes, okay, why are you mentioning that? Salama bin Zaid was the mother of Abdul Muttalib. <laughs> Rasulullah's grandfather. He goes, hang on a minute. Now go back. Okay, mashallah. Woke up. <laughs> Anas's mother is Rumaysa. Al-Rumaysa. Her grandfather was Khalid ibn Zaid. Khalid ibn Zaid's sister was Salama bin Zaid. Salama bin Zaid was the mother of Abdul Muttalib, the grandfather of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he's a uh, a lineage tree here. Inshallah, you can put it on the phone so people can see it. But that's the lineage. So I'll say it in words. So, Zaid, going to the Prophet, Zaid's daughter was Salama. Salama's son was Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib's son was Abdullah. His son was 
the Blessed Prophet Now let's go through the other village to Anas. Zaid's son was Khalid. Khalid's son was Milhan. Milhan's daughter was Umm Suleim. Umm Suleim's son was Anas. Those, it is on this account that Rasulullah was related to the Ansar. People say, how is he related to the Ansar? It's a good question. And sometimes you're embarrassed, you think, I don't want to ask this, this is embarrassing. How is he related? And then you've got it. Right? So it's to do with Anas. Hence, Sayyidah Umm Suleim Al-Ghumaysa was affectionately called the aunt of Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa Referred to Hafiz ibn al-Atir, it is Al-Qamil, volume 1, page 453. Thus making Rasulullah and Anas third cousins. So why was Umm Suleim called the aunt? Because her second cousin was Abdullah. So they are on the same line of generations. Rasulullah is one generation down. So he, technically she is the aunt of Rasulullah. That's why there you hear in the books of Sira, she was like a kind of a mahram to the Prophet. Though she wasn't a direct aunt, but she was definitely related to the Prophet. So Anas was the third cousin. Now look how shocking that is. How many of you knew that? I didn't know that. And I got shocked. I thought nobody told me that Anas was the cousin of the Prophet. And then you go, there you go. I think, you know, look how shameful that is. You know, Anas is one of the famous companions. And yeah, when you ask them, is he related to the Prophet? And then the guy will look at him, brother, I don't know, he's Ansar. <laughs> he goes, yes, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> he is related. He goes, well, he must be distant. Third cousin, distant. And he goes, third cousin? He goes, brother, explain that. And then you go through the lineage and you go, subhanAllah. I have no idea. So all I mentioned today was an introduction to the great life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik. And we discussed where his name is mentioned in the Sirat. And then I mentioned his blessed lineage, something about his parents and his exalted tribe. Mm-hmm. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? Subhanallah bihamdi, subhanaka Allahumma bihamdika, ishtullahillah, illallah, astaghfirullah, tubalaykah, tubalaykah, min shaitan jib, subhanallah, rabbika, rabbil izzati, yamma yasifun, assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, alhamdulillah, 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 bismillah, alhamdulillah, 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 alhamd